It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of River City 93. This is Matt Myers uh, stepping in hosting you know, for today. And today's topic uh, is a 10-year retrospective of the kicker's 2-0 Open Cup victory at Sporting Kansas City in the quarterfinals of the tournament. Uh, today, to be able to help tell the story of that game, we have uh, you two members you know, of the team from that season here to help out, uh, Ronnie Pascal and Jesse Myers. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having us, Matt. This is uh, this is going to be fun. I didn't even realize it's been 10 years. It feels like it was yesterday. Yeah, July 12, 2011, uh, the kickers traveled out to Kansas City to be able to face uh, Sporting KC in the quarterfinals of the Open Cup. Uh, they were uh, the kickers were the only USL team to reach the quarterfinals that year. And Sporting Kansas City, they were a strong team that season. They had just opened up uh, their new stadium at the time. I believe it was Livestrong uh, Park. I think it's gone through about three or four renamings you know, since then. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the kickers ended up being the first uh, you know, team to go in there and beat Sporting Kansas City in their new stadium and moved on to the semifinals of the tournament that year uh before we jump into all that uh ronnie jesse uh you know in case we have some listeners who uh aren't as familiar with you you want to you know just introduce yourself a little bit about uh your background and connection with the team uh jesse you want to go first sure i i was uh started as assistant coach in 1997 under frank kolenstein and then uh made it through with colin clark and then uh, obviously with lee and uh, i was with richmond for 15 years and recruited ronnie yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm Ronnie Pascal. I was goalkeeper with the Kickers from 2000 to 2012. Um, and then I guess a couple small stints after that, if you if you want to call it that. Um, but it, it's funny, Jesse and I actually go back even further than that. He, uh, he was the assistant coach at UNC Charlotte. And my club team at the time, FC Westchester, used to go down there for a summer camp back in the early to mid-90s. So Jesse and I go way, way back. And then my first year playing pro in 99 with Atlanta, um, I was looking to move on after that and looked up the coaching staff at Richmond because someone recommended the kickers as being a good organization and saw Jesse's name and it, it all kind of connected and clicked and we had a, we had a long ride together. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Very successful run together as well at that. Uh, so to give everybody a little bit of uh, background, so the 2011 season, it was the, uh, you know, the USL's version version of their first year of USL you know, Pro. You heard me talk plenty over past episodes about uh, you know, the, my issues with USL continuity in terms of what league is new and old and when. Uh, so I won't belabor that point today. But it was the first year of that iteration. Uh, you know, the team started out the season very strong, won the first six games of the year. Uh, and you know, hit a little bit of an injury bug you know, going in you know, to the summer months. Uh, but in the Open Cup, they had a really you know, good start uh, along the way, they you know, beat Dayton uh, in the 
first round 4-1, beat Pittsburgh 4-1 in the second round. And in the uh, round of 16, they went to Columbus and got a 2-1 win on the road at, uh, at Crew Stadium against you know, the Crew Delhi with a late winner uh, on a header you know, there. And it led into this, you know, uh, for me, you know, as a fan, what was a really you know, big game at you know, Kansas City. So, uh, Ronnie, Jesse, you know, can you, uh, you give us a little bit of background. You guys both went through a number of Open Cup runs with the team together. You know, what was usually the mentality, you know, with the team, you know, going into Open Cup games and specifically with this you know, 2011 you know, Open Cup run? Ronnie, you go ahead. Oh. Yeah, for, for me, you know, the Open Cup was kind of like a, a, a really cool little bonus that we got every year, um, you know, if we qualified. So, you know, you look at it and being a lower division team, there was always, you know, you'd have a couple playing games to get to play, uh, like the opportunity to play an MLS team. So, you know, we always looked forward to the Open Cup. You know, we kind of played it as almost like a, it's a playoff in the middle of the season um, with some really cool opportunities in front of that. And, you know, me at the beginning of my career, not so much at the end, but some of the younger guys look at that opportunity to play an MLS team and it's kind of your opportunity to prove yourself. So, you know, not only are you playing an MLS team, but a lot of these guys are looking at it as like, here's my chance. If I do really well, maybe I'll get noticed. You know, maybe I'll get a chance in the next offseason, something like that. So, you know, the kickers always did really, really well in the Open Cup. Um, you know, obviously they won it in 95 before the MLS was even around, which is pretty cool. Um, but once MLS came in, you know, your, your younger teams, your lower division teams never really – were that successful and for us being a team that we had lots of opportunities to play MLS teams um, at home I think you know we've we won like three or four games at home against MLS teams throughout the career um, one of those was the LA Galaxy right after they signed Beckham and everyone thought Beckham was going to be there even though he wasn't and my uh, my nice little run in with Landon Donovan at the end of the game I don't know if you remember that Jess yeah absolutely <laughs> that was fun absolutely. <laughs> but we yeah so we you know we always love the Open Cup so um, this year, going into 2011, like you said, you know, we, we we started out the season really well in the league, and we kind of hit a little bit of a dip, I think, moving into this, where we were doing okay, but we weren't doing great. Um, we had some injuries. So it, it's always hard this first couple rounds when you're playing, you know, either a lower division team or a team in your division, because, you know, you're kind of looking ahead, trying not to look ahead, but you, you inevitably look ahead to the MLS team. So, you know, we got through Dayton, we got through Pittsburgh, um, both of them were pretty resounding wins. But I think we typically, you know, if we're playing a lower division team, maybe we give some of the reserves a chance to play. But against those guys, I'm pretty sure they put out pretty strong teams because we knew we wanted to get to that MLS team. So we got through that and we got the opportunity to go to Columbus, which is, you know, Columbus was the first MLS soccer-specific stadium. Um, some of us had played there before and a not very good result. I think it was in Four 2005, I remember Dante Washington just laying out like Luzak and Kevin Knight and then just rifling one through me to score. And, and I think it was 3 nothing in that game. So not the best memory. So it was really cool to go back to Columbus to play in that stadium, um, you know, kind of see how it had aged and end up getting the win there. So then going into Kansas City, um, you know, we, we looked at the schedule. And it, it wasn't very advantageous for us. We had a back-to-back -back the weekend before. Um, it was the old back and back home and home with Charlotte. So we had a home game one night, had to get on the bus, drive to Charlotte, you know, through the middle of the night, play there the next night. And then we had like a day or two to recover before we got on the plane to go to Kansas City. So, you know, we were really excited to play in the stadium because it was kind of the talk of the league and the talk of the country and the soccer world at the time. It was brand new. 
Um, but sporting Kansas City, just they were unbelievable at home at the time because they were, you know, playing with that new stadium momentum and that new stadium energy. So we knew we were going to have a handful, um, but we were all just really excited because we go into those games and we've got nothing to lose. You know, all the pressure's on them to beat the lower division team. It's really not on us. Yeah, Ronnie, a couple things come to mind during that run. One, um, I think I'd be remiss not to mention the late, great David Bulow was on fire, uh, as he always was in the Open Cup. And, and kind of uh, in those first two games, I think he might have had four, four or five goals in that cup run. I mean, and, and if he wasn't scoring, he was creating something. So, you know, uh, uh, he was tremendous in that in that little run. I also... You know, in typical Lee fashion, I give him quite a bit of credit. He, he always would stick to his guns. Look, we were never going to have much of the ball against MLS teams. We knew that. Uh, we knew we'd have to defend properly and that we would win on, on, on the counter or on the break. Um, so I think if you look at some of those lineups, yeah, we were a bit injured. But, um, I mean, Bangura, I, I believe, scored one of the goals in mm-hmm. Kansas City. I think he was the one that scored the goal. Uh, right after the the uh, sixty minute uh, weather yep. weather break, um, I think Jamal Wallace was was in the midfield for a couple of those games. He was a kid who was you know he was straight out of college. He was nervous as could be. If, if you remember that, Ronnie, we tried yeah. him at center back, and it just you know we wanted him to be you know to be that third center back uh, coming off the bench. If, if anything ever happened to Yambi and uh, or Henry. Uh, we tried him at right back, and, and he just—he just for whatever reason had those a little bit of nervousness and uh, you know rookie nervousness. Elite puts him in the midfield, and again his athleticism, his ability to win the ball in the air. Uh, Lee always played it right in those games. I felt um, even even when we would, wouldn't win, the, the game plan was the game plan was consistent, and it was always uh, you know what I felt was the proper game plan. And 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 I think against the MLS teams, we probably won more than we lost in our day. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, from the fan perspective, you know, we always got up you know, for the Open Cup games. We saw it as an opportunity to you know, be able to, you know, you know, show the you know those fans, you know, uh, that you know they weren't as special as great. You know, uh, certainly, uh, you know, the, like the DC, you know, 2004 game immediately comes to mind. With almost 9,000 at City Stadium, with, uh, you know, featuring uh, you know Freddie Adu in that game that was uh, a lot of fun so i think there's always a lot of buzz in richmond around the open cup and that uh you know continues on uh you know to this day obviously the last couple of years because of the pandemic open cup's been suspended but uh certainly within the uh you know the red army you know group you know people get excited about the opportunity to be able to get that mls game knowing full well that uh it's at best a loaded coin flip you know <laughs> against you know the kickers uh so you both you know, had mentioned that you know, you're coming into this game off of the back-to-back against Charlotte, and uh, you know again for those who were not uh, following the team as closely, you know, a good decade or so ago, these back-to-backs weren't unusual at all. There would probably be what like five or six a season where you you get a nice Friday Saturday uh, duo uh, or maybe a Saturday Sunday you know, duo, and it wouldn't be two home games. It would be you know at best one home, one away, or just two away. Yeah, right. most of the time it was two on the road. So they were they were trying to limit the travel budget. So you would play two games on the road back to back. And like you said, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, something like that. And as much as they tried, the games were never that close geographically. So there was always a good, you know, three to six hour bus ride between in the middle of the night right after you played a, a 90 minute game. So this one was one of our, they, they loved putting us and Charlotte together in a home and home back to back. I think in that 
you know, I don't know if they just, they thought we were really close because four and a half hours really isn't that close to twelve o'clock at night when you're sitting on a bus after you played a game. Um, but they always tended to do that to us. So going into that game, we had that, and I think the game in Richmond actually had a thunderstorm. So I don't think if I'm remembering this right, like the game didn't end until twelve thirty at night, and then both teams, you know, us and Charlotte, we had a really good rivalry, but we were all friends also off the field. So like everyone after the game was like. Why can't we just stay in Richmond and play again here? Like we'd much rather than hop on a bus. So Ronnie, we had done that in one one year. We had we had uh, against Charlotte a few years. Remember a few years before that, I remember playing Charlotte, and and we ended up playing in the afternoon, I believe, like a one o'clock game. Might have been a Fourth of July game. Matt, do you remember that? It was like a thousand degrees. <laughs> I, I remember. I remember. You know, games where it was really hot in the stands, so I can't imagine how miserable it was on the field. Yeah. Uh, so it's possible. I don't remember that exact one. Yeah, do you remember that, Ronnie? I, 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 I do. I do remember that one. It was, and I, I can't remember if that was why it was. I think it was they had to schedule it early because of the fireworks at Dogwood Dell. Uh, so had to, uh, because they used the stadium for parking, so we had to play the game at like one o'clock on July fourth, and it was it was seriously like. 98 degrees, 98 percent humidity, and it was the, probably the worst soccer game ever because nobody could move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So old school lower league soccer. Uh, you know, there are stories like these for days that we'll certainly explore uh, in future podcasts as well because I'm sure these guys you know, could you know, go on for hours and hours about the oddities that they came across you know, uh, you know during their time you know, with the kickers. So you know. Uh, so yeah, they had a, a had a Friday, Saturday back to back, and then a uh, Tuesday evening game halfway across the country in Kansas City. Uh, you know, I was living in the Midwest. I flew down you know, for that you know, game you know, from from Milwaukee, and I distinctly remember sitting in uh, you know the terminal. I was waiting for my rental car because it wasn't ready yet, and all of a sudden I hear, "Hey, Matt." And there's nobody else around, so I know that somebody has to be talking to me. But I'm like, "Who the hell is going to know who I am in Kansas City?" I, you know, I look around and who do I see? I see Jesse Myers over by, uh, you know, uh, a different rental car station, you know, and I'm like, wait, are you guys just getting here? <laughs> uh, so, you know, it seemed like you all were arriving at about what, probably one thirty for a, you know, 7.30 or 8 o'clock game. Uh, was that, you know, nor a normal plan? Was that, you know, just the situation with the condensed schedule? Yeah, I think I think we tried to give us as much rest time as possible at home. So the idea was we'll get up early, we'll, you know, spend a couple nights in your bed at your own house. Um, we'll get up early. It's a, you know, it's not that bad of a flight. We'll take a quick flight out there and then, you know, you can rest in the hotel when you get home. And I, I do remember a little bit of an issue because we were supposed to get there a little bit earlier than we actually did. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it ended up, I would say it wasn't the ideal situation, but but it, it wasn't awful either. We we've been through a lot worse. Awesome. So yeah, I, 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 if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think Lee was very strong about getting your own a good night's sleep in your own bed, especially if the you know if we could get there and what he felt was a reasonable amount of time, which is you know that's fair game. I, I certainly get that, and uh, you know we just got home anyway as it was so. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, Ronnie, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, and I don't remember you said. So we were in it one in the afternoon. So I do remember going, having lunch there, and I remember going over the stadium early with Shelley, and because I just wanted to check out this 
brand new stadium. And I was like, oh, my gosh, soccer has made it in America. Once you took a, a walk to that brand new stadium and, the, you know, the all the unbelievable amenities that the players uh, um, could have, whether it be, you know, the the. the the hot and cold, brand new hot and cold tubs, and and uh, 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 what would they have? Remember, Ronnie, they had like a smoothie bar, a fresh food bar there for the players before and after the game. It was just, it, it was completely first class. Yeah, yeah. And the home locker room was a lot nicer than the away locker room. They had like the leather chairs and like all the different lockers had outlets and like all this cool stuff. And then you go into the away locker room, and it's like. Lockers, fold away chairs, <laughs> nothing too special. But just being in that stadium, like like Jesse said, it was kind of like Columbus's stadium was cool, but even in that short amount of time between the two, it was very very outdated. Once you get to Sporting Kansas City and you kind of see the new technology and um, you know you kind of see what was there, it was like wow, it was soccer's made it. Like this is really really cool. So for us, even though you know physically we were tired, mentally we were pretty tired. Once you get there and you kind of start, you know, building up the momentum and feeling the energy of the crowd and seeing the stadium and playing an MLS team. You know, it, it was really easy for us to kind of get out for this game. Absolutely, Jesse. I thought you were going to say, you know, feature, they had you know, fancy features like hot and cold water. You know, certainly, <laughs> yeah. certainly, some of the stadiums that uh, the team visited yeah. back in those days that might have been a little questionable if they would both be present. No, yeah. no doubt. And you know, we, we thought we were lucky with City Stadium. Trust me, Ronnie and I have walked in some others that are uh, well. The one that, that that I remember, and I'll throw this one out there, Ron, is the old uh, the old stadium uh, up in Massachusetts. Um, oh, Western Mass. In Western Mass. Oh my! God. <laughs> yeah. That uh, was. I, I don't know if they even had running water in those locker rooms. Well, I, I do remember after a rain delay, we were about shin deep in the shower, <laughs> and the, and there there was only one uh, one commode for a whole team. <laughs> Uh, it was it was something else. Almost I almost killed myself. Uh, remember the they had the dugouts? They had these old wooden dugouts that he would sit in that were only about five feet tall. And I remember almost knocking myself out. Uh, <laughs> the good old days. Yes, the good yeah, old days. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I'll certainly back up. You know, on the you know, on the you know attendee side of things, a beautiful stadium in you know, Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, really, a really easy to get to as well as. Uh, you know, not too far off the interstate. It was in the middle of almost seems like a shopping center, which I thought was a little strange. Uh, you know, but hey, it worked out uh, you know, pretty well. But you know, walking through and everything, they had a nice members area that was uh, you know covered, which came in very uh, useful during the uh, you know hour or so rain rain and storm delay yeah, that came up in the second half. Uh, but just really state of the art. Having been to some you know the newer newer ones like you know the new crew stadium or out in la or some of those but you know, for 2011 this is that was certainly as good as i had seen yeah. at that time uh yeah so get into you know, kind of the, the pregame jesse you had talked about uh this a little bit about how lee usually had you know the plan in mind of all right we're not going to see a lot of the ball you know today uh, and you know again coming off of you know two games already that week what was our Either for Jesse or Ronnie, what was the mindset you know, going in, you know, that evening that you remember? I mean, I, for me, Ronnie, I think it was one thing we could always count on as coaches with the team is we knew we were going to battle, so we knew we would have to win the battles. You know, those individual battles. Uh, I know it sounds a bit cliche, but if we we're going to win the individual battles, uh, 
especially in the defensive third, and we were able to counter and take care of some of those chances that we would that we we knew we would get. I mean, they're pushing people forward, right? They're getting a little bit confident, a little cocky, you know, with all the possession. And then, you know, like we did uh, after the the rain delay, they certainly weren't uh, emotional emotionally ready for you know, a quick, uh, long service. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Bula got a touch on it and Bangura finished it. Ronnie, do you, do you, what was your recollection of that? Yeah. So I, I, I remember the big thing that we were really, really conscientious about was they had a lot of stuff. Um, I think it was Kai Kamara and Phil Bumberry were both kind of at the beginning of their careers. Um, you know, two guys have been phenomenal in the league for a long time. So for us, the big thing that we were doing was we're going to, you know, Let's try to get to halftime zero zero. We need to limit the space in behind. We know that they're going to possess the ball, but we'll give up possession of midfield. It's not going to hurt us. So we stay compact together. We want the space behind. We battle in the middle. Um, I, I, I had to look up the lineups. I couldn't remember who we had on the team at the time. But, you know, we had, it looks like we had Callie and Jerson both playing as kind of like two holding midfielders right in front of the back four. Um, you know, Lee would say it was a 4 3 3. It was absolutely a 4 5 1. Um, with yeah. people who we knew were going to battle, and we had Shaka up top, who, you know, we used to call him Shaka Boom because he was just, I mean, he was explosive. So it was a guy we knew that we could kind of like just sit in, absorb the pressure, really battle for that 45 minutes. Um, you know, maybe we sneak one in the first half, probably not, but you never know. Um, but just really just try to wear them down and make it to the second half, 0 0, and kind of reevaluate it from there. So yeah. we did that, and I remember we did not see much of the ball in the first half, but no. they didn't have. They didn't have many really like clear cut chances. Um, you know, they had some shots from distance. It's not like they were just all over. It's like all over, like on the verge of scoring. It was, it was a pretty good defensive effort by by us. I also, yeah. Ronnie, if I'm not mistaken, too, I, I do I do vaguely remember they they started their you know they started their their usual lineup. Not their goalkeeper. I don't believe he was their starter, but but uh, I think it was Cronenberg was in goal on the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so I, I have the, the Kansas City line. were certainly the, the same uh, same guys they were running out on a daily basis in in, in the MLS. Yeah, so I had their uh, you know I pulled the Kansas City lineup. Okay. Uh, so they had Cronenberg in goal. They had uh, you know Chance Myers, Michael Harrington, Aurelian Collin, Matt Beasler, name every American fan knows in the back line. So those are all you know regular starters. Uh, you know Lorenz, uh, he became more of an NASL guy. Uh, Birahim Jap, Stoichev. Luke Sasano, but then up top, you know, Kai Kamara and Teal Bunbury. But off the bench, they brought in CJ Sepong. They brought in Roger Espinosa, who's gone to a World Cup you know, with Honduras. They brought in Omar Bravo, who's gone to World Cups with Mexico. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, other than, you know, Graham Zuzzi and Davey Arnaud, uh, it was pretty much the entire Kansas City first team that they were running out there during league games. Yeah. You know, so, and, Rich, what, and Matt Richmond started Shaka Bangura from Montreat Anderson College. There you go. I mean, it's basically basically the same pedigree. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, it was it was fun. We knew we had to work it out for us, but you know, the the really cool thing is everyone really stuck to the game plan and did what we had to do. Um, you know, and we we just kind of we we had to set up a little bit differently for this game and just kind of take it. But it, like I said, it's the first half went probably as as perfectly as it could have for us. Um, you know, we, we probably would have liked to have the ball a little bit more, but we knew we, knew we weren't going to have it that much. So it was, we made it to halftime and, and everything was kind of going smooth. Yeah. Ronnie, so the- I don't know if another one, Chance Myers was, um, was incredible that game. The number of times in the first half he overlapped, 
uh, the wingers and got service in. It seemed like it was every time down the field for me. I, I thought at that point that, that kid was was ready to go straight to uh, you know the Olympic team or, or, or some youth national teams because he was he was phenomenal on the day. Yeah, but wasn't I mean to be fair, wasn't he going against Sasha? So that kind of helps out. <laughs> no, I think he would have been going against our, you know, uh, Dave Hertel because My- Myers is definitely left back. I think he was the number. I think he was the number one pick in the draft that year. Was he? Yeah, really? uh, you're you are correct. He definitely was. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, brilliant, you know, brilliant named guy. Got to keep a little, you know, tabs on, uh, you know, how he was playing. So. Uh, but yeah, so we got into halftime zero zero, and uh, like you said, I think a lot of you know their chances you know were you know crosses and you know Yambi and Henry ate up a lot of those. Uh, you know Ronnie, uh, you know certainly did you know some good work there. And you know, I went back and read some of the reports from you know Kansas City you know, perspectives that were you know they, the general idea was that it seemed like if there was going to be a goal coming in, it was going to be you know, from kind of a stray cross. Uh, you know, not unlike uh, what we saw from Johnny Bolaños this last, you know, weekend for the kickers, uh, you know, against North Texas. Uh, but anything else, you know, it was getting, you know, taken care of. It was certainly a little tense watching it because anytime, you know, the ball's in, you know, right around your own 18 the whole time, as a fan, you're like, all right, we're holding on. It's, you know, how much time is going on? Oh, it's only been 15 seconds since the last time. It looks wonderful. Uh, yeah, but get to halftime. Uh, not, you know, no changes coming out of the half, uh, you know, for either team at that point, uh, you're going in the second half, you know, uh, you know, there was talk a little bit about, you know, uh, weather, you know, issues, you know, potentially coming in, there's a storm on the radar. What was the, uh, what was going through your mind in the locker room with halftime? What was the game plan for the second half now that you reached the initial goal of, uh, zero, zero? You know, yeah. I think everyone, everyone was just, you know, I wouldn't say happy, but we were kind of like content with what had just happened. You know, we we did what we came out to do. We got to it zero zero. We knew that the more the longer we kept it zero zero, the the better it was for us because they were going to start pushing more and more people forward. And you know, we knew on the bench we had some strong guys who can come in who can kind of open things up for us. So, you know, we we were pretty happy with it. It was more about you know the mentality of the group, making sure that we didn't we didn't become complacent. We still knew it was going to be 45 minutes of a fight. Honestly, at the time, I don't even think we knew about the weather. Um, if we didn't knew it, they didn't even tell us. We, you know, for us, as the players, we had no clue. We were just out trying to play the game. So, um, you know, we went out in the second half, um, and it was just the same thing. Like, let's, let's hold on. We know the first five or ten minutes, they're really going to come out. So let's just make it through that first five or ten minutes. And then let's see if we can start to get a hold of the ball a little bit and start to get possession and maybe create some chances for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can definitely, we can feel the frustration on their part. I mean, the crosses and the, and the missed headers and the, you know, the almost that they didn't, that they didn't finish. And, you know, that's that, uh, that's, that's every worry for any soccer player, right? Let's, you know, let's make sure we take care of our chances. And when you get so many and that doesn't, you know, you don't put them in the back of the net. The first thing that comes to mind is the doubt and the, you know, the, the, the pressure you put on yourself. So, you know, there was no pressure. I say, let's, let's be honest. We knew all about them. They knew nothing about us. They, you know, they knew who Ronnie was, I'm sure, and a couple of players here and there, but they have no idea who was coming off the bench or anything about them. Um, so, so yeah, so I, 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 you know, at that point, the game was shortened. 
right? And that's what we wanted to do. And and the confidence was building on our on our part, and the frustration was mounting on their part. So uh, it's a good recipe if you're the kickers for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've made reference to it, you know, a couple times already during the you know, course of this uh, you know, podcast. But you know, right around you know the 64th, 65th minute, uh, the referees stopped the game. You know, there was a big you know storm you know cell coming through Kansas City that evening. Uh, you know, in the stands, you could be able to see it over top of you know their roof, and you could see you know the sky turn from you know blue to orange to black really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and you know. I think you know it's a matter of all right. Can we hold off? Can we get enough? Can we get this in? Can we get this in? Probably didn't you know help the referees you know any of that it was still zero zero instead of you know a decision one way or the other you know where they could you know just be able to call it and you know, have it be done. Uh, but eventually you know the teams are sent to the locker room about the 65th minute and you're there for probably a good 80 or so 80 90 minutes you know while. I'm standing up on the concourse, you know, waiting in a long line to be able to get you know, some food because what else am I going to do at that time? Because uh, that might have even been before, uh, you know, smartphones are really, you know, ever present or certainly before I had one. So not a lot of things to do at that point uh, while waiting, waiting it out. Certainly better than waiting out the, you know, storms at City Stadium back in the day where everybody was, uh, you know, under the little, you know, couple of awnings there. Uh, but yeah. What was, uh, so you're in the locker room. You know you uh, you don't know when the game is going to restart. If it's going to restart, if it's going to get pushed till the next day potentially. Uh, but if you do come back, there's 25 minutes. Uh, what's the mindset? Uh, kind of walk us through what's going on. I remember us being just very relaxed. Um, you know, it was it was one of those we got back in the locker room and the the real thing that we were saying was we're probably a lot more used to this than they are. Like we have so many games throughout the summer that have light, like under the winters and lightning. For us, it's normal. So we're in the locker room, like I was playing soccer tennis and trying to juggle balls in the garbage cans. And, you know, we had some snacks. We had some like fruit and power bars and things like that. So we were just, we were really relaxed. Um, we had no idea what was going to happen with, with those things. You can never guess, right? There's, Oh, you're going to go out in 15 minutes. No, you're not going to go back out. There's another lightning strike. And, you know, it keeps going back and forth. So the best thing we could do is just kind of stay loose, stay relaxed, um, and just kind of see what happens. So that's that's what I remember. I remember just really loose, really relaxed. Um, we're all just kind of hanging out, trying to stretch a little bit, juggling, playing around, eating snacks, and, and really just kind of like hanging out, waiting to see what the next move is going to be. Yeah, I mean – it was a relaxed group anyway, right? That was kind of the, the that was kind of the the, uh, the mantra of the players, right? That was their personality. So, you know, we had nothing to lose, and 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 I, I do I do think I remember Lee saying something to the point of before we went back out is you know let's see if we can get something early, let's see if we can surprise them early. They didn't want to be there at that point. That you know they're they're so uh, they want to get to their MLS season. We're just we're just something in their way. We're a, you know, we're a midweek game that, 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 that they really could care less about. They're going to play in the, in the Open Cup in those days. They would want to win the Open Cup. And obviously, by the lineup they put out there, you know, it was a, what a quarterfinal game, correct? So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were feeling it. But still, I, I think the players' mindset, uh, they wanted to win. Obviously, they're competitive. They're professionals. But, again, for us, it's just a whole different – it was a whole different thought process. I think than you would have as as an MLS player and just trying to get through their lengthy season, um, and and as you know, up until about the quarterfinals, uh, 
MLS would, you know, until they sniffed that they could be uh, in the final, that they weren't they weren't too bothered. Yes. Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It was once once we found out we were going to play, it was like, all right, guys, let's just let's go out and let's just go after them right from the get go. Like we. We made it through the beginning of the second half like we wanted to. It was still 0-0. Um, you know, Jesse kind of referenced it earlier. We kept making the game shorter and shorter. And the longer we could do that, the better it was for us. So, you know, I, I remember I think Lee made two or three subs right after the lightning delay. Um, just out. One of them was Bulo. Um, Jamal Wallace went in. Luke was in, I think, at some point. I don't know if he went in earlier or if it was at the lightning delay. I think Luke, yeah, Luke came in a little bit earlier. Matt, who, who served the long ball? If I'm not mistaken, we came right out at half. We got mm-hmm. they commit a, a foul, and we serve a long ball in to get the first goal. Am I wrong about that? I, no, because no, no, I went back and watched it uh, earlier today just to make sure I remembered it right. Because right. uh, there's about 30 seconds of highlights of this game available on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, just uh, what you know, Channel Eight you know, got at that time. Uh, so couldn't tell who passed the ball initially, but the ball ended up on Bielo's feet. Uh, you know, coming back out, he put a ball over the top to uh, you know, Shaka Bangura, uh, and who you know, he was able to kind of you know slip it, you know, pass through however you want to describe it, you know, the keeper, and it you know slowly made its way, you know, over the line. Right. Yeah, I think the throw. I don't know, Ryan. Am I wrong? I thought it was Luke for some reason. Uh, it, it came from the right side. I was going to say it was it was either Hertel or it was Luke that kind of played that ball up the line to Bulow, kind of like in behind. Yeah, uh, Bulo got him behind and played it across to Shaka. Okay. I remember it was one of those like there was a little bit of hesitation by the keeper, and mm-hmm. that was, like just enough to give Shaka a little bit of an advantage, and he got, you know, it, it was a weird finish. It was one of the goals like you, when he first hit it, you're like, did he miss? Like, did he mess that one up? And it yeah. kind of like loop snuck and and ended up going in. Yeah. So this was uh, about. You know, no more than a minute after you, uh, the teams came back on the field, you know, the kickers hit, you know, really, you know, quickly, you know, on the strike. Now, I had always heard, you know, a rumor uh, that, you know, Lee had given the message that we don't want extra time. Let's go out there, let's win it, or let's lose it, you know, you know right now. Yeah, that definitely, and I don't, I don't recall that, but that certainly could have been the message. You know what? Now that you're saying that, because I think we had – now that you're saying that, that kind of sounds familiar. Where it was like one of those where, like, listen, guys, we've you know we've been through a ton. Let's just we've got 25 minutes. Let's leave it all out there. We're not going to play. You know, not to we're not going to play to keep them from scoring. We're just going to go. Out. So let's just we've got 25 minutes. Let's go after the game. I don't think he said you know we're either going to win or lose, but I think it was one of those where the message was we're taking off the handcuffs. Just go after them. Yeah, I, you know, I think at the point at some point where, you know, and Ronnie, again, this was talking about those back, you play back to back, you jump on a flight, you get to another game, right? The last thing you want is extra time. We're still trying to win the league. Um, I, I think it was one of those where we're going to, you know, we're going to win it. We put ourselves in, in the perfect spot to do it. So let's go out and take the, you know, take the shackles off a little bit and, and, and let's take, let's take it at them early, see if we can get something in behind them. Yeah, and that absolutely happened. You know, so you know, Shaka Bangura with you know the goal. I think it's the 66th, maybe the 67th, uh, you know, minutes so of right after the break, uh, and then you know the game kind of you know, settled in. You know, Kansas City, you know, really you know brought in their big guns. You know, at that 
point. They brought in, uh, I think, you know, right after the break, you know, Omar Bravo, Roger Espinoza, like I said, CJ Sapong, you know, came in shortly thereafter. They took out uh, the guys who were maybe their uh, fringe players at that point. So Peter Vermees certainly had an interest in still getting their result in this game. Uh, you know, but once once you take a lead in a situation like that, especially against an MLS you know, team, uh, something that again you all had a good amount of experience with over the years. What does that do for the team's mindset? What does that do for the energy levels, especially late at night at this point? For for me, the first thing that crosses my mind is like, oh crap, here we go. Because it's like, <laughs> you, you, is it one of those where like, all right, we just woke up the giant. Like we're, you know, before we were annoying and, you know, we weren't letting them score. We were playing well. Well, all of a sudden we scored and we went ahead. Or is that like the wake up call they need they're just going to completely come after us at this point? And like you said, like we knew they were putting in their big guns. Um, you know, they now had a front three of Ike Martin, Field Dump, Bumbery, and CJ Sapon, which is just as fast as you could get in the league at the time. Like they were just flyers. So we we knew um, you know, we were we were happy with what happened, but we knew it was just kind of the beginning. And however tough the last twenty five minutes were going to be, we just made it a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, again, they, look. Again, it was it was cross, and I I, I remember uh, Sapong just missing a, a a header to the back post that comes to mind, and and you know, in all fairness, you know, Ronnie was on his game. I mean, it you know, he had a couple deflections, and and as in in Ronnie fashion, you know, some saves that you don't you know that you think are going to the back of the net, and somehow Ronnie's you know found a way to get a hand on it, and and. You know, even even at five nine, Ronnie. Five ten, Jesse. A very a very strong five ten. In heels. <laughs> with with my studs on. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's like I said, it's it, it it's easy to get caught up in all the all the things we had against us, but when you're an athlete and you're playing in that environment and you know, their crowd is awesome. Um, and I remember I I didn't even touch on this, but warming up the way goalkeeper warms up in the goal right in front of their crowd, like their fan club. So, I mean, right from the get-go, from the time you're jogging to warm up, they're yelling at you and they're in your ear. And for me, I love that. I, I thought it was awesome. I love talking to them. I love joking around with them. Um, for me, that made the game, like, that much better. It kind of put me in his own. So playing the game, like, I, I don't remember, like, all the details of, like, this shot and that shot. But I just remember it was one of those games where things were slowed down a little bit. So you could just kind of see the ball a little bit quicker and a little bit better. And, you know, they had chances. I don't remember them having really a ton of clear-cut chances. We were like, ooh, they definitely could have scored that one. Um, you know, sometimes my key was a little bit different than what Jesse can see. Um, but for me, it wasn't like I, – I, I don't remember ever, like, seeing a shot where I'm like, oh, crap, that's going in or anything like that. Like, I felt like we were under control. Yeah, when, you, yeah. when you're a coach and you can't do anything about it, Everything looks like it's going to the back of the net. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, also, when you're in the stands at that point, and uh, <laughs> exactly, you know, you know, not enough. You know, it was an Open Cup game at an MLS stadium, so it wasn't exactly packed. I think there was about five thousand people there for their twenty thousand seat stadium. Uh, but you know, everybody was on you know the same side. There was probably me and I think a few players, you know, families there, and everybody else was in Kansas City, which was par for the course. Yeah. You know, for any away trip, you know, back then. Uh, but 
didn't stop me from trying to be as obnoxious as possible in the stands, <laughs> especially once the team went ahead. Uh, <laughs> exactly. fun, funny, funny how you get uh, you know those uh, beer muscle equivalents at that time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you know, kind of, you know, so the team's you know kind of you know holding on, certainly playing you know still in a more you know defensive you know fashion then. But uh, so Jesse mentioned earlier Jamel Wallace, uh, you know, who's uh, I think that was his rookie year, you know, that year. Uh, you know, he, he makes a big impact in about the 82nd, 83rd minute. He gets into a foot race, uh, you know, on a long ball with Aurelian Collin, uh, you know, Kansas City's, you know, French defender, you know, MLS first team, you know, multiple times in the course of his career. And he wins, you know, the team a penalty at that point. Uh, you know, do you all remember anything about you know, that play, that moment? Uh, any surprise that it was Jamel of all people, you know, getting up into the box and, you know, winning the penalty? Um, for me, like that was that was kind of what we could have been there to do. Like he was a, a super athletic kid, um, and like Jesse said, he was one of those kids. Like you try really hard to find a spot for him. You don't know what his spot is going to be, but you know he's going to help you on the field. So you try to do whatever you can to get him there. So this was one of those games that kind of that kind of it played perfect for him because it was just a guy who was going to give us a lot of energy, a little bit of toughness in the middle. And because he was somewhat fresh, he, he had those legs. So I remember the play. It was just one of those where it kind of like broke up. I think he he and had something to do with winning the ball and then just took off and someone found him with a good ball over the top. And, then, you know, Aurelia Collin at the time, I think he was – I think he's still playing, isn't he? Who's um, that, right? Aurelia Collin, the center back. Yeah, I think he's with Philadelphia right now. Yeah, so, I mean, he's he's been a, a stalwart forever. And, you know, you, you expect him to come out on top in that situation, but Jamal did a really good job of getting taken down. And then, you know, for us, Bula was in the game. Um, like Jesse said, he he just been on fire, and he's probably the best penalty dictator I've ever seen. So once we got the penalty, I knew that we were going to score. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, Roddy, it's kind of funny, too, because in, in all fairness, that was probably the only time Jamel was ever in that position in the run of play. <laughs> Because, I mean, I could imagine throwing him up on corner kicks, but, you know, he was strictly a stay home, you know, stop the other team from countering type uh, defensive midfielder if he wasn't playing on the back line. So so you would think I would remember more of that. I, I, I And honestly, I don't. Uh, I do remember Bulow because, like Ronnie said, it was it was automatic. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I've ever seen Bulow miss. No, not, uh, not really in practice. Uh. But yeah, yeah I, he, sure, he certainly never claimed any misses when I would, whenever I would ask him. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that was one of those one of those plays where like Jamal like makes the play and I see him start to run and I start yelling at him to stay home. And he, yeah. So I was like afterwards like all right, good job. But like at the time, I was pissed that he took off. Yeah, yeah. Right. The good old classic no, 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 no. Yes, great idea. Yeah. Moment. Exactly. No, no. Well done. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know Lee was screaming. You know oh. Lee was up off the bench screaming. You know, fists, hands straight down, fists screaming. Jamal, I can see it now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, David Bulo, you know, steps up, 84th minute penalty. You know, make it two uh, nil. Uh, you know, you're right, Jesse Bulo was on fire that tournament. Uh, top scorer in the tournament that year with six goals. Uh, I think just, until just recently he was. Uh, either tie for first or tie for second in modern era open cup and total goal scored. Uh, I actually think at the time that put him number one. I think yeah. 
in the head of, of Jaime Moreno to be the, the overall leader in the tournament ever. This is pretty cool. Yeah, so Bulo, you know, shined in you know the big spotlight moments and everything, uh, you know, and also the not spotlight moments, you know, as it happened to be sometimes as well. Uh, so, you know, at that point, I, I, I know I was you know, feeling pretty good in the stand. I was like, all right, two nothing. These guys can hold on for, you know, five minutes plus stoppage time, you know, to a two goal lead. Uh, were you all, you know, did you have that same you know, sort of idea in your mind? I mean, obviously you're trying to stay a little more focused in the moment, especially if you're on the field like Ronnie was, but uh, it's also human nature a little bit to kind of you know, think about circumstance. Yeah. yeah. So at, ahead, at, that point, at that point for us, it's, you know, they, they say it all the time. Two not bring is the worst lead to have. So for us, it's like, we don't look at it like, okay, well, they could score. It would be okay. Like, we were still like, we've got to keep the ball out of the net because if they score one, then they're probably going to score another one. So we we just kind of, at that point, the belief started to creep in um, even more, and, and we just kind of buckled in and kept doing what we were doing. And at that point, it was all hands on deck. Everyone's defending. If, you, if there is video of that game, I'm guessing all 11 players are probably 30 yards from our goals. Yeah. And the, the job is don't let the ball go in. Don't worry about possession. Just get as far away as possible. Yeah, let me. Vermees was out of his mind at that point. I, I do remember that he was. He was off his bench, and he. I mean, he's a yeller and a screamer anyway. But he was. He was. He had had it with his own club. Uh, uh, he was not a happy camper by any stretch of the imagination. I think. I think he made a big mention of it too afterwards in the press. You know, the next couple of days were going to be. Uh, you know, not going to be easy for for uh, for his club. Yeah. So yeah. that's it. I've actually got a funny story about that. So my. My real job, I had to go to uh, sport in Kansas City. They were doing a youth complex with her, with her fields. Um, and I know John Pastorella really well, who was the goalkeeper coach at the time. So John's taking me around. He's showing me their training facility, everything. And he, I mean, this was probably 2014, so a couple of years after the game. And I, uh, he takes me in to introduce me to Peter. And he's like, yeah, this is Ronnie Pascal. I was like, oh, you know, Ronnie played for the kickers. Remember, that was the first team that beat us in the stadium. And Peter keeps giving me this look. <laughs> like, All right, nice to meet you. I'll see you later. And like, kind of backed out of the office really quick because I, I seriously thought like he was just going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's important for people to remember the history so that way they can't repeat it, right? Yeah, I, I'm surprised the JP actually brought that up to him. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah, so uh, so the team holds on, gets the two nothing win in the quarterfinals. Uh, game probably ended like. 11:30 p.m. Uh, local time, something like that. Uh, after all the delays and everything, uh, and you know, first first team any of any division you know to go into Kansas City get a win at the new stadium. Uh, that's a you know a record in the books that can't be taken away at any point. Uh, you know, the team would go on uh, play Chicago in the semifinals. Uh, come very close to being able to pull off a third road upset. And they fell just short, you know, two one against, you know, the fire, uh, and you know that was, you know, also another game we probably have a whole another conversation about, you know, that ordeal. Given that I believe that was in the middle of the playoffs as well, which I can't imagine how all that planning went. But that's a conversation you know, for another time. Uh, but you know, guys, do you have any you know, other you know general thoughts, stories, anything that you, you want to be able to you know, share, look back on about you know the Kansas City game specifically? Well, so I think a, a big part of you know talking about the Chicago game, a, a big part of why we ended up 
losing that game was Bueller getting a yellow card in the 90th minute against Kansas City. And I, it was a really, it was a really bad yellow card. Like it was one of those that didn't have to happen. Do you remember exactly what happened, Jess? I don't even no, remember. No, I don't. That's a great, that's a great point though, Ronnie. I, I, yeah. I, now that you said, I remember that, that we did not have Bueller for, um, you know, for Chicago. You know, if, you know, David wasn't starting all the time. Uh, Lee would start him sometimes, and and then we'd bring him off the bench. And and Delhi was playing really well. So, so my thought is that that you know, in that in that final at Chicago was, it, and it ended up being that Delhi was going to get, you know, his opportunity for sure. Yeah, but not not having Bula with how he's been no, uh, in the goals that he scored. I I want to say in those. The first two games, the two four-one games, I think he scored five of the goals. Something mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah. you know, like right. he at six goals in the tournament in three games is ridiculous. So, just not having that option off the bench, I don't know if it would have changed the game in Chicago, but it might have. Um, you know, the, the Chicago game would be a fun one too, because that was probably when when I look back at it and I look at the three MLS games that year. Chicago was probably the game that we played the best, and that was probably yeah. the game that, if you looked at it, we deserved to win that one. Um, you know, you might look at the Kansas City game and say, you know, they, they didn't have the run of play, they didn't deserve to win it, but we, we stuck to the game plan and we did what we had to do, and that was exactly what, exactly the way the coaching staff wrote it up was, you know, what happened is exactly what they said that they wanted us to do. So it was, it was, it was a fun game. You know, I honestly, I don't, I know we were, it was one of those, like, we were really excited, but everyone was so exhausted from the effort we put out there that, like, it, it was a very muted celebration. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah, I think we were right, right back to the hotel in bed, and and off from the morning to the next flight home for a day off. Right. Take mobile the next day to go to another game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I looked it up. He had, had a home game against, uh, you know, the you know, all, always popular Antigua that weekend. <laughs> well, I guess that's, that was good. That was good things. scheduling back those days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not, not as good as scheduling as if you had gotten you know, a nice trip to Antigua to celebrate, but right. what can you do? I think, I think we had a week in Antigua at the end of the season, so that was all right. Yeah. I'm pretty... have, you know, I'm gonna, so, guys, I'm going to uh, – I don't think we were ever in Antigua. I never went to Antigua. Yeah, yeah, we did. No, we did not. We went to Bermuda. We went to Bermuda a few times, not Antigua. Check that. Yeah. You, you might be right. I mean, it could have been after you went up to Rochester, too. Yeah, it might have been the year you left. It might have been 2000. No, I still never went to Antigua. Yeah. I went. <laughs> it was awesome. All, all I remember as a fan is that it was impossible to ever find, find out what happened out there, except then you saw, you know, in the score sheet that Lee puts himself in and scores. <laughs> when was that? When was that game? I think, I'm pretty sure it was 2012, Jess. It was the year after you left. And we, we were having some, uh, some passport issues. We had a very lot. But it, the, the great part about it, I think Lee put himself in over Ross. <laughs> like, Ross, it was Ross and Lee were the last two stops. And Lee put himself in instead. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Uh, it's good to have power. Exactly. <laughs> it, it is. It's good to be the king, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, guys, uh, you know, thank you for taking time out of your day to be able to talk about this. Uh, you know, just give you know, uh, you know the listeners a little bit of an idea. What are you, uh, what are each of you up to these days? And if uh, you know, people want to you know, reach out, is there a good way for them to be able to reach out and get in touch? Yeah, so I uh, I've I've got a full time job. I'm the national director of sales for a company called Brock USA. Um, 
we're actually in the synthetic turf industry. We do a shock pad and an infill. Um, we actually just did the field at American Legion Memorial Stadium down in Charlotte. Um, they did a $40 million renovation. Talking about a, an old rundown stadium back in the day, Jesse. Do you remember playing down at Memorial Stadium? Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it on Facebook. Yeah, so the, the new, they did a phenomenal job with the stadium, but we've got our field there. It's actually FIFA certified. Um, so I, I'd love doing that. My company's based out of Boulder, Colorado, but still in Richmond. Um, my son actually is a rising U16. He plays for late. Um, he's kind of on the full gamut. He had a Wusu for a while. Then he had Berkey for a couple of years, and now he's going on his second year with Lee as a coach. So he's a, uh, a left-footed left back. Um, and so I'm still involved with the kickers, do a little bit of coaching, go out to a bunch of the home games. Um, I've got a, a Twitter handle, I guess you call it, just R-P-A-S. Ron, Ronnie, Ronnie, let's, get, let's, get, let's just go get to the crux of it. What are you right now as of, within the last month? I am, I'm also a grandfather. Uh-huh. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, knew, I knew that's what you were going to do. Uh, little, uh, little granddaughter, I call Gabriella Marie, I call her Gabby. She's seven weeks old. Um, and she's being, being a grandparent is a lot better than being a real parent. So. <laughs> I, I thought Jesse was going to ask if uh, you, know, you and your son compare notes on uh, Lee and Burke and all them. Well, we absolutely, we do that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Matt, you can do a couple shows of... Uh, of the years of different banter on that bus between Berkey and, and, uh, it, it, you know, here's the funny thing. And I will, you know, when you're a college coach, you're with, you're together with guys for four years. When, when you're a kicker's coach, plenty of those guys, you were been there for over five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. You know? Yeah. So it, it, it becomes quite a, you know, quite a family and, and knowing kids, each other's kids. I mean, I think we all, I'm sure Matt, you do too. We all follow, you know, Derek Etienne's son, mm-hmm. you know, and between the national team and the crew and, and it gets to be quite a family and, and, uh, you know, probably, uh, the most enjoyable part of, of it when you look back is, is those, you know, those times. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's, it's, I'm, I'm actually playing in an over 40 men's soccer league too. And we have like Kwaku and Trevor Spencer and a bunch of the, the old guys playing again. So it, it, it's cool to get the group back together and just kind of have a little bit of fun and, Kind of reminisce, like you said. I mean, some of these guys we've known for over twenty years now, so it's been it's been quite the ride. Yeah. Absolutely, Jesse. Uh, you know, yeah, what, what have you been up to since uh, we last you know, saw you in town in the uh, you know early you know twenty tens? Yeah, so so I'm in Rochester, still outside Rochester, in a little town called Fairport. I'm the director of a small club, Lakefront Soccer Club, and uh, you know I've got a few more years till retirement, hopefully, and and. Uh, you know, my kids are like Ronnie's. My my daughter is a soccer player at Brown. She's playing for Brown, and my son's uh, going to be a senior next year. So we're trying to figure out where uh, where he's going to go to school. So right. yeah, everything's good. Life is good. So I'd like to see you, know, you push a little higher educational standards in Brown, and maybe in the future, <laughs> you know, a little bit of slacking on that side of things. Matt, uh, the number of times the number of times I heard she didn't take after you, uh, I would be amazed. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, great, great school. Uh, you know, uh, never, never been to, you know, campus, the campus there. But uh, you know, it sounds like you know everything's going really well for you, Jesse. Glad, to, glad to hear about it. Matt, following Chris Fox's footsteps, Brown yeah. University. There you go. I'm pretty sure that was, that was my response when I heard Claire was going to Brown. I was like, thank God to <laughs> follow after you, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, how are you doing? What are you up to? 
you know, living the life, you know, working the college system myself, you know, these days, uh, still, you know, uh, getting out there, you know, you know, supporting the team and everything. So, uh, you know, can't complain. It's, it's a different world nowadays, but, uh, you know, enjoy working with uh, some of the, you know, other guys, you know, with this podcast to be able to help uh, spread the good word about the team. And, you know, like I said before, I'm, you know, really, you know, trying to you know, amp up the historical side of things. You know, uh, Rob's still with the club, but you know, a lot of different faces now from you know, back in the day. So I wanted, yeah. you know, I'm trying to, you know, starting to make it my mission to you know, try to you know, keep those connections, you know, to the rich history of the club. So uh, conversations like this, I think are you know, great ways to be able to do it, get people, you know, interested, intrigued, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, rebuilding, you know, the team up to the heights of where it, you know, it was in the past. Yeah, you know that's it, it's it, it's things are so different when you go to the games now. I mean, even just all the renovations they've done to the stadium have been phenomenal. Um, you know, seeing and I've said this before, seeing the Red Army where they are now compared to you know the corner kicks, which I, yeah. I well, it was like six of us. The corner kicks were like the original soccer fan club in the U.S. Like there wasn't a supporters group in the U.S.L. back in the you know early two thousands. Nobody was doing that. So to see how it's grown is awesome, but I, I do love the idea of kind of remembering the history. Um, you know, Matt, I, I see you've been very vocal about the way the USL is kind of like anything before USL Pro just doesn't even count. And, you know, to see these things of like, you know, this player just, you know, he's the first player to make 100 appearances in USL Pro, and it's like, we have guys who played over 300 games. Like, there, there's a long history that's just being completely forgotten. So, yeah. For Except for, when it's, except for when it's convenient for them, like if they want to, you know, hype up, uh, you know, Ozzy Alonso, then they remember Charleston, right. you know, what's going on then, or uh, you know, nowadays with you know Vardy and Rochester, all of a sudden, oh yeah, Rochester, they they did a lot of stuff in the in the nineties, yeah. uh, and everything. So. Trust me, they don't they don't forget it here. They've got long uh, long memories of their history. So yeah. I was I was down in Charleston for work a couple of weeks ago, and I was on Daniel Island, and I drove down to where Black Bob used to be, and that was it's just sad. It's just a big field now, like it's all completely gone, and like just thinking back to all the all the stories of playing at Black Bob Stadium, and I mean that was the first soccer specific stadium in the U.S., and for them to just you know knock it down and it's gone, it was it was pretty weird to be there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, things are changing. You know, most mostly for the better. Uh, you know, across the board. But uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're we're all at the point where we can you know, be able to say back in my day and you know, get to be the uh, grizzled old guy. I feel like I feel like I was saying that even when I was playing <laughs> back in my oh, day. Yeah. <laughs> of course, but you know, now you can say it with a little more authority. Exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you guys once again, uh, you know, uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, certainly, we'd love to have either one of you back to be able to tell more stories again in the future. We'll be able to talk about, uh, you know, the current year's team. You'll be able to, you know, you know, we don't always know what we're talking about. We're just fans. You guys have actually uh, had careers, you know, in the game. So you might see things a little bit different. We're always happy to have you, uh, you know. And the, again, you know, this has uh, been our retrospective on the U.S. Open Cup quarterfinal 2011, Richmond Kickers 2, Sporting Kansas City nil. Uh, one of the great moments in Kickers history. Ronnie, Jesse, thank you very much for your Matt, time. thanks for having me. Ronnie, always good to talk to you. We'll speak you, soon, I'm sure. You too, Jess. Matt, thank you very much. This is, yeah. this is awesome that you're doing this and just kind of 
remembering the history. So I, I really appreciate it. I know all the guys really also. So thank you. Right, you're welcome. And listeners, we'll have another episode coming out uh, soon. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.